Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. So we won't be in Luke 1 today, we'll be in Luke 2. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke 2, there's my transition. (laughs) So the title of today's message is Prophetic Intercession in the Advent. Prophetic Intercession in the Advent with the subtitle, Simeon's Role in Birthing the Messiah. I do have to qualify this, men can't give birth. This is very symbolic. But Simeon, through his prayers and through his lifestyle, did indeed help bring about the advent, the birth of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to be going line by line through 12 verses in Luke chapter 2, specifically looking at one elderly man's role in the first appearance of Christ. Together, as a church family, we are going to see how God found He found him. He found this one man to be at the tip of the spear, I believe, of prophetic intercession or prophetic prayer. That's what intercession is. It's prayer. It's talking to God, hearing God, and talking back. God found Simeon in the decades preceding Jesus. He found a heart of agreement in Simeon, and he worked through it. We're going to see how this one man heard a promise from the Holy Spirit and subsequently gave his entire, his whole life to wait in obedient faith and agreement in order to see this promise come to pass in his day. We are going to look at this man's lifestyle as a template for us in 2022 in Lakeway, Texas, as we eagerly await and anticipate the second advent of Christ, the promised second coming of Jesus to this planet to remove everything that hinders love and to destroy all of our enemies finally and forever. That's a good day. It's the day I live for. Someone asked me years ago, Kyle, we see your life. We see your devotion. What does God have for you? What's your calling, Kyle? I was like, what is my calling? And I believe the Lord spoke to me. It's, Kyle, every day, do whatever you can to help bring my second coming closer. That's, that's why I wake up in the morning, is to see Jesus come back, to do everything in the grace of God to welcome him home. That's why I exist. That's why I live. That's why he saved me from death. That's my core calling. Simeon had a similar one, but for the first advent. Now, before we look at Simeon's remarkable life in Luke chapter 2, I want to establish one key theological point that has touched my heart greatly in the past couple weeks as I've pondered this message. This biblical truth, it's just one verse, will be the glue that holds the thesis of this message together today. It's from Amos 3.7. It's on the top of your notes there. Amos 3.7 is what the prophet Amos says. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he first reveals his secret 
to his servants, the prophets. God does nothing in the earth unless he first finds a friend beforehand that he can whisper a specific secret plan to. This is mind-blowing to me. This gives my life so much purpose and dignity and meaning. What if he whispers something to me that he wants to do in my generation or my region? Everything that God does in the earth first must be told to a frail human being who feels frail in the room. Okay. A frail human who God reckons in that moment to be a faithful servant. If you've ever heard God whisper anything to you, he considers you faithful. And you're prophetic. Everyone's prophetic in the room. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. They all will prophesy. If you've heard one faint whisper, even while reading the word, you're prophetic. <laughs> From this verse, guys, we can gather that God has, in a sense, in a holy sense, tied up his own hands in heaven and only releases them to act when he finds someone that he can speak to. And it's not just God telling his secret future plans or whispering that accomplishes them. He must also find in that hearing servant a willing heart to actually partner in prayer and intercessory agreement with that specific promise in order for it to actually come to pass. You see, God's promises in the scripture and those promises that are whispered, God's promises are not passive. Hear me, they're not passive. No, his promises require active participation and agreement on our behalf in order for them to come to pass on the earth. The active participation is simple. It's most often fleshed out through prayerful agreement and simple obedience. That's why prayer and obedience are the necessary core elements of the Christian life. Prayer and obedience. Pray and obey. This is, this is what unties God's hands in the earth and unleashes his activity. Praying and obeying. God could do anything at any time, but instead in his humility and in his desire for relational partnership with us, he only chooses to do things through human agreement and obedience. This really is a staggering theological point. God chooses to do nothing without the partnership of prophetic intercessors. Prophetic intercessors, what does that mean in its simplest terms? I was on a jog yesterday with Briggs, pushing him along, jogging, and God was speaking to me. And I believe that God dropped a simple, easy-to-remember definition of prophetic intercession in my heart. For, uh, to share with you guys. If, if it's all about prophetic intercession, we better know what it means. And it's got to be simple, because we're simple folk, right? <laughs> we need things, one, two, three, that we can remember, because we have 10,000 things swirling around us vying for our attention. So we need to be able to remember it. So the Lord was kind in giving me this little definition. Prophetic, defini or prophetic intercession is nothing more than hearing and agreeing. Everyone say, hearing and agreeing. And agreeing is what we just talked about. It's twofold. It's praying 
saying the promise back to God. Whatever he just spoke to you, you say it back to him in prayer, and then you obey. You hear, that's the prophetic part. And then you agree by saying the same thing back to him, saying, do it, Lord, do it, Lord. And then you obey with whatever practical outworking he gives to you. Prophetic intercession is hearing and agreeing, hearing, praying, and obeying, hearing, praying back what you just heard, and obeying. And this, again, guys, what's the point? This is how God has chosen to accomplish everything in his heart on the earth. The initiation of all God's activity on the earth flows through prophetic intercessors. It flows through hearing and agreeing. Do you think your life matters <laughs> in the grand scheme of God's master plan for planet earth? Given this truth, yes, your life most certainly matters in a scope that is way beyond your and my limited understanding. And this leads us perfectly into the life of one man named Simeon. And just remember, Simeon is going to be a template, a prototype for us today for what God desires to accomplish in our generation. Has anyone in the room ever had a grandfather or maybe a grandfather figure that you really respected and looked up to? You raise your hand. I sure have. I believe Simeon is to be that prototype granddad from the Bible for all of us to look up to. We can all adopt Simeon as our Bible granddad. And that's my prayer this morning. I pray and have been praying that God would brand us today with Simeon's life as a heroic example for us to emulate. So let's look now at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. Luke 2, 22. These first three verses that we'll go over will set the scene for us and give us context. So Luke 22, 2, 22. Now when the days of her, that's Mary's, purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they, Mary and Joseph, brought baby Jesus to Jerusalem, to the temple, to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy or set apart or dedicated to the Lord. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Don't start singing that song, Two Turtle Doves. <laughs> you get it if you want, in your head. So, what we get from these three verses, I did some research. Jesus was most likely 40 days old at this point. We get this from the fact that the required timeline in Leviticus for the ritual purification of the mother of a newborn son is 40 days after birth. And since Jesus was the firstborn son, she was a virgin, it was God's law to formally dedicate him to himself in the temple. Every observant Jewish family would have done that with their firstborn son. And so it was very customary to see 40-day-old baby boys with their parents coming in and out of the temple. And I did some math based on the population numbers of the day and the birth rates. It's a safe estimate to assume that there was at least two dozen babies coming in and out of the temple every single day. That's going to come into play later. And so now that the scene has been set, let's get into the next two verses that bring out Simeon's lifestyle 
and the promise he received at some point in his life. Luke 2, 25 and 26. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem, one man whose name was Simeon, and this one man was just and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him at some point in his life by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ with his own eyeballs. In verse 25, Luke tells us to behold. Behold. Luke is telling us here to look intently at Simeon's life. He is saying to pay attention to the details of these following verses. That's what the behold is there for. So again, we're going to obey the scripture and behold Simeon's life. Simeon, according to verse 25, was a just man, which means that he was righteous, pure, holy, and obedient to God's laws and commands. There was no question about Simeon's integrity. Simeon was also a devout man, according to verse 25. Devout, which means he was devoted wholeheartedly to God's glory in his generation. Simeon being devout meant he stood out among the crowd for being unusually committed to God. He was unusually loyal and faithful to the God of Israel. It's like they say of committed athletes. Who's heard this phrase? He's the first one in the gym and the last one out. Who's heard that phrase? That was Simeon in his commitment to God. He was the first one in the prayer room at 5 a.m. and the last one out at 9 p.m. I'm making up those times. But that's the idea. So he was just, pure, and devout, devoted. But this next phrase, in verse 25, this next phrase is really what encapsulated Simeon's lifestyle overall. Here it is. Simeon was marked by this beautiful phrase. What was Simeon known for? He was waiting for the consolation, the comfort of Israel to arrive. What was the consolation of Israel? What does that mean? This is a poetic title for the future promised Messiah of the Jews. There were many promises. I can think a few off the top of my head in the prophetic scriptures that the future Messiah would bring comfort and consolation, would bring a big hug to Israel. A forever hug with peace and well-being and goodwill towards men. So we can rightly translate this phrase from waiting for the consolation of Israel to waiting for Christ. Simeon was waiting for Jesus, waiting for Messiah. And I want to highlight again that this phrase points to an active lifestyle of Simeon. This waiting was active. Biblically speaking, waiting is never a passive thing. Just like God's promises, waiting is never a passive thing. In our culture, when we think of the word waiting, we think of it as doing nothing, twiddling your thumbs with a blank stare. 
But biblically, waiting on the Lord is a very active posture of fervent prayer and agreement and obedience. So let's think of that posture of waiting when we see this phrase written about Simeon's life. You think of it this way. Simeon's full-time job, his full-time job description was to actively wait for the consolation of Israel. This was in his Instagram bio. Simeon of Jerusalem waiting for the consolation of Israel. He didn't have Instagram back then. That's probably why he was so focused. (laughs) He showed up on time. Now what exactly, I'm curious. When I see something like this, I'm curious. What exactly fueled this radically committed and prayer-filled life of Simeon? I believe that the fuel for Simeon's life was the radical prophetic promise that he received directly from the Holy Spirit, a promise that is brought out in the next verse, verse 26. According to verse 26, look at this. Simeon had a life-defining prophetic promise that rooted and grounded him in the place of holiness, purity, just, loyal devotion, and consistent believing prayer. The promise from God to Simeon was this. I'm going to translate this. Simeon, you are immortal until you see the Messiah with your very own eyeballs. What a promise. It's really going to happen in your day, Simeon. It's time. Imagine, guys, imagine getting something like that today from God. You will not die before you see Jesus coming on the clouds with your own eyeballs. Which, if one of you guys got that this morning... We're going to do an exercise at the end, a prophetic exercise to hear God's voice. If one of you guys gets that for real from the Holy Spirit, you know what that means? You're going to never die. You won't die. There is a generation that does not die. (laughs) I call it the twinkling of the eye generation. Because the only death they know, it's the twinkling of the eye, then we're with the Lord. Because he's going to come back. Isn't that wild? There's a generation that doesn't die. That's what it would mean if he spoke the same promise to you today. <laughs> I'm not saying he is or it's, it's right now, but it could be. But again, back to Simeon. I, by the way, I want to be in that generation. I don't want to die. <laughs> no one wants to die. Twinkle, twinkle. Let's go. Twinkle, twinkle, little twinkling generation. <laughs> not little star. Although we blessed that, that star that guided the wise men. Praise God for Jupiter and retrograde, right? Something like that. Okay, back to Simeon. I believe, guys, it was that prophetic promise in verse 26 that fueled his entire life. And that leads us to acknowledge. Let us behold and acknowledge three key markers and take-homes from his life. From just these two verses, we can see that Simeon was marked with purity a pure vessel. He was marked with prevailing dedication. The prevailing wind that blew Simeon's life was always to the prayer room. (laughs) The prevailing wind wasn't away from God. It was to be loyal and committed and dedicated and devoted to God. That's why I say prevailing dedication, and it's also a P, and I have three Ps. 
purity, prevailing dedication, and persevering prayer, all of it fueled by the prophetic. Those are the three markers of Simeon's life. Purity, prevailing dedication, and persevering prayer fueled by the prophetic. Purity, we get that mark from that word just. Prevailing dedication, we get this mark from the word devout. And persevering prayer fueled by the prophetic, I get that last P from that phrase we looked at. Waiting, an active, faithful intercession, crying out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Simeon was on the front lines of that song in his generation. It wasn't just a nice Christmas song for him. It was his life. He went to the prayer room, which was the temple every day. He said, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. The oppressive rule of the Romans or the oppressive rule of sin is what he came to do the first time. Come and ransom us. Just like you sent Moses and the Egyptian generation to ransom captive Israel. Send your true, full Christ, your deliverer to us, finally and forever. That was his lifestyle. He sang that song. If indeed it was a song back then, that was the song of his heart, the song of his life. And what's wild, guys, God actually responded to his heartfelt pleas for salvation and rescue by sending Jesus. Every single prayer of his, over the decades most likely, was like a fragrant drop of oil in that first Advent prayer bowl in heaven. Every prayer was like a drop in that first Advent prayer bowl in heaven. And eventually, guys, with, on one day with one prayer from Simeon, that bowl tipped over. And how did it tip over? It tipped over with God sending Gabriel to a virgin in Nazareth. He's like, all right, Simeon, I'm going to do it now. Because you really want it. You've sold the farm for this promise and this purpose, this deliverer. So I'm going to respond to you by sending Gabriel to a virgin in Nazareth. It's time. Thank you, Simeon. I believe that was the conversation in heaven. Guys, I don't think Jesus would have come at that specific time in history without his active waiting. There were others in the story, I know, but we're looking at Simeon this morning. I don't believe he would have come at that specific moment in history. He would have come, but without his prayerful agreement based on that prophetic promise. Remember back to that Amos verse, our glue this morning. God does nothing, meaning he couldn't even send Jesus without first revealing it to his friends, the servants, the prophets. <laughs> we know that God certainly needed to do something for humanity to assuage the global stain of sin. But before he sent Jesus to remove that global stain, he had to first find that humble, prophetic servant to whisper his promise to. You're immortal until you see the Christ. So give your life to it. God found Simeon. And Simeon, this is what set Simeon apart, I believe, because he might have tried to whisper this before in history, but what set Simeon apart? Simeon took God seriously. 
Derek Prince defined faith. What is faith? It's taking God seriously. (laughs) I love that definition of faith. Taking God seriously. Simeon had faith. He took God seriously. He wasn't cavalier about this promise he heard. God bless the Lake Travis Cavaliers, but we can't be cavalier when we hear a promise from God. Because he wasn't cavalier, God could actually work through his life. Because of his purity, prevailing dedication, and persevering prayer, the world got Jesus at that specific time in history, I believe. Guys, I love what God can do with one person. Everyone say one person. One person who is all in and who has thrown all their eggs into God's basket for their generation. I love what God can do with a heart that is fully devoted and fully yielded to his purposes in their generation. My dad texted me this verse a couple months ago. Jeremiah 5.1, look what God can do with one life or what he wants to do with one life. Jeremiah 5.1, the Lord tells Jeremiah, go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Go up and down the streets of Austin, up and down the streets of Lakeway. Look around and consider. Search through her squares. If you can find but 10,000 people to pray, no. If you can find but one person who deals honestly, has integrity, is just, and seeks the truth, who's devout, dedicated, seeking me daily, and I will, not I might, I will forgive this city. (laughs) Look what God could do with one person. (laughs) God found this one person in first century B.C. Judea in Simeon, and I believe he can find it here in this room in Lakeway today. (laughs) Now we're going to look for fun, we're going to look at Simeon's bold interaction with Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus in the temple and draw out some fun points for it, from it. So Luke 2, 27 through 33 now. Verse 27, so he, Simeon, came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took him, baby Jesus, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. Now before we hear what Simeon said and how he blessed and thanked God, let us catch the gravity of what is happening here in this scene. There's so many implications. First it says that Simeon came, how? By the Spirit into the temple. This means that Simeon was instantly obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit on that specific day. The Holy Spirit whispered, to Simeon at some point on that day, hey, Simeon, go to the prayer room now. I got something for you. I'll tell you when you get there, or I'll show you when you get there. The implication, he didn't know why he was going. He said, go to the, go to the prayer room. Go to the temple. It's like one step at a time. Okay. So Simeon's there, presently, in the temple for some unknown amount of time, for some unknown reason, waiting for his specific assignment. When, bam, he sees a baby. A baby. Now, undoubtedly, we saw it earlier, over the years of Simeon waiting in the temple for the consolation of Israel, undoubtedly Simeon had witnessed tens of thousands of Jewish couples bringing in their newborn baby boys. 
as they were dedicating them to God in the temple. Tens of thousands of babies coming and going. But here, on this day, somehow this one specific baby was different. How could Simeon tell? How could he know? Well, I believe it goes back to Simeon's lifestyle of purity, dedication, and persevering prayer that set him up to possess a supernatural level of receptivity and tenderness and openness to God's voice. A level of receptivity and tenderness and prophetic clarity to where he could spot a 40-day-old baby boy as the Messiah of Israel. The consolation of Israel. There it is. Guys, this was truly supernatural for Simeon to have this secret insight in order to recognize that this normal-looking baby, Isaiah 53 says, he looked like one of us. He was normal. Nothing set him apart with appearance. Normal-looking baby. Somehow, he's like, that's the baby. (laughs) The Messiah. The center of the universe. Holding everything together. By the word of his power, right there in a nine-bound, maybe more, maybe less, 40-day-old frame of a baby. This is staggering to me. This points to the gravity of Simeon's dedication and how God honored him for his years, probably decades of faithfulness in the prayer room. And once he realized by the Spirit who exactly this baby was, I love what he does next. He breaks probably all the rules. I love the courage and the boldness and really the audacity that Simeon had in seizing this moment that he had been waiting his entire life for. What did he do? The text says plainly that he took, he took baby Jesus up in his arms. It seems as though, if we read it plainly, that Simeon walked up straight up grabbed baby Jesus out of the most blessed woman's hands who's ever existed. He snatched Jesus. He was so audaciously sure in what God had spoken in the past and what he was currently speaking to him in the present in that moment. He was so sure of God's voice that he was willing to look like a madman or a fool or even a kidnapper momentarily. By grabbing that infant from Mary or Joseph. It doesn't say who was, who was holding them. It would be like Brooke and I. Picture this. Coming up here at the front to dedicate Maple. We know Maple's not Jesus. She's already sinning. Four months old. No, I don't know. <laughs> She's got a sin nature. She's reprobate. She needs to repent. All right. <laughs> More. It's true. Biblically, it's true. I can show you. <laughs> it would be, guys, like Brooke and I coming up here at the front to dedicate Maple, right here, and a random old guy walks in off the street who we've never met. He runs up here, grabs Maple out of our arms during the ceremony, and then starts thanking God for her. <laughs> he was secure. Simeon was secure in hearing God's voice. That would be a pretty unorthodox Baby dedication, to say the least. Guys, I love the audacity and the boldness and the security, the sureness of Simeon here. He knew 
that he knew. Has anyone ever known that they know? Probably with your spouse. You know that you know. Hopefully. <laughs> but guys, Simeon was right. He knew that he knew. He did something audacious and bold, but he was right. You see, all of you guys have permission to be prophetically weird if you're right. If you're prophetically wrong and strange at the same time, that's just not good. I'll we'll have to have a little chit-chat. But if you're weird and accurate, we'll take you. We'll take you. Worship team, you can come up. <laughs> Simeon was a little unorthodox, but he was accurate. We're going to see how accurate he is in these next verses as we close. Let's see what he actually blesses and thanks God for. I find it interesting in the text, he never actually directly blesses Jesus. He blesses the Father, and then he blesses the parents. Simeon even recognized the authority over Jesus' life. Jesus willingly submitted himself to the Father, of course, but also to his parents. And Simeon recognized that. That's part of the wisdom that Simeon had. He didn't even bless Jesus. He blessed the Father in heaven. He blessed Mary and Joseph. So let's look at what he thanked the Father for. As he's holding up Jesus, Simba style. That's where they got that Simba from, I'm sure, this scene. Everything in culture and counterfeit is, there's truth in the Bible behind it. They're just twisting it, right? Although he is the true Lion King. Amen. <laughs> Guys, so he lifted up Jesus Simba style. His parents were like, what is going on? They'd already seen some wacky stuff, so they were probably like, all right, here's another one. <laughs> wacky good stuff, like angels showing up and shepherds showing up and wise men hadn't showed up yet, but lots of stuff. All right, verse 29, holding up baby Jesus Simba style. Simeon says, Lord, Father of Israel, now, <laughs> now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen, they finally see, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all ethnic groups, all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of baby Jesus by Simeon. I got touched there. I didn't... I, it was hitting me that he lived his whole life for this moment. Saw it. And if he's wanting to depart at this point, he's probably really old. This is why most scholars believe he's very, very old. I've even read something. Uh, I can't remember which Orthodox church, but they believe Simeon was 200 years old. Because <laughs> he says this phrase, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. He would have to have been supernaturally kept alive in order to see Jesus. <laughs> but God can do anything. I don't know how old he was, but he, would, he had to have been old. If he's ready to go at this point, right? So to close out today, let's, let's look at a few takeaways from this oracle prayer of thanksgiving from Simeon to the Father in heaven. Simeon thanked God that he could now depart in peace, meaning he could die at peace with God <laughs> and go to heaven 
which is the fountain of peace. Heaven is the fountain of peace. This is so cool, it hit me. Because how I read the Bible, I see this as the first recorded person to receive who Jesus was in the flesh and then soon die after, most likely. This is still pre-cross, but it's in that overlap period. And it's just a cool thought to think that the first person to receive who Jesus was, his identity, and die in faith was probably Simeon here. That's cool to me. And overall, guys, we can extrapolate from this phrase here that as soon as anyone meets Jesus, hear this, as soon as anyone truly meets Jesus and receives who he actually is as the Savior of the world, that person experiences true peace in that moment. He is the Prince of Peace, and that's what Simeon was prophesying in that moment. Simeon then said, my eyes, this was the word. Here's the word coming into fulfillment. My actual old eyes. And if he was really old, he, he might have had bad eyesight. Probably did, so he had to get real close. That even shows how prophetic he was. Probably. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Yahweh's salvation. And it hit me. Simeon most likely didn't know the baby's name at this point. But right here in his first words to the father while holding baby Jesus, Simeon actually probably uttered in Aramaic or Hebrew Jesus' name to the father. How do I get that? Well, Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which literally means Yahweh is salvation. So when Simeon said, my eyes have seen your salvation, he was saying, my eyes have seen Yahweh's salvation, which translated in the Hebrew literally means he was saying, my eyes have seen Yeshua. He said his name most likely in that interchange, prophetically, not even knowing. Just knowing that that was Yahweh's salvation that he was holding. Isn't that cool? His parents were like, you nailed it. Word of knowledge. You got his name. <laughs> Out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit, the meaning of Jesus' name was communicated through Simeon to the Father in that moment. Simeon then said in verse 31, you, Father, have prepared salvation before the face of all peoples, all ethnic groups, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. We know this now because we've read our Bibles, hopefully, but this is a staggering revelation for him to have in this moment. Simeon, looking at this baby, understood the mystery of the gospel, that this baby was not just sent to save the Jews, the covenant people of God, but also to save every nation, every ethnic group, every tribe, and every tongue on the face of the whole earth. This specific revelation was even hidden from the disciples for another 40 years after this encounter. Remember our beloved Peter, the founder of the Christian church? He had to have a specific visionary encounter in Acts 10 to understand this point that Simeon got right away. It took Peter seeing a sheet descend down from heaven three times to finally get the point that Jesus was for the Gentiles too. <laughs> well, Simeon got this revelation right away in his first breath, talking to the Father about infant Jesus. This stuns me. Guys, and the revelation doesn't stop with verse 32. Verses 34 and 35 are chock full prophetic detail and accuracy about the life and ministry of Jesus 
that are staggeringly spot on. We don't have time to dissect them, but let me just tell you, Simeon nailed it. I encourage you to read those other verses. He nailed it. He crushed it with prophetic accuracy. Everything he said came to pass. And after his words, as we read earlier, Joseph and Mary were left stunned and marveling with their jaws on the floor. I would be too as a parent. So what's the point here? The point from Simeon's life and this interaction in the temple is that it really pays to spend time in the prayer room. Simeon, because of his lifestyle of waiting for the consolation of Israel, got inside information. He received secrets from heaven. He got sneak previews of coming attractions. Simeon's life of purity, dedication, and persevering prayer set him up to see and know things that others, it took others decades to understand. Guys, it pays to live in the prayer room. So let's stand to our feet now as a church family and respond to Simeon's life. How are we gonna respond? Let's keep it simple. Let's pray to be like Simeon, to emulate our granddad in the scriptures. Let's be just, devout, and let us wait collectively together for the consolation of Israel, the second coming of the comfort where he truly will bring worldwide comfort and renewal to the whole planet. Let us be that people that waits right now in 2022 for the consolation of Israel and Austin and Texas and the United States. That's who Jesus is, it's still his name. Let's pray for the Lord to increase in us a heart of purity that we would be just. Let's pray for grace to have a lifestyle of prevailing dedication, prevailing loyalty. That's the devout word. Let's pray for the wind to be at our back, to blow us to the place of obedience. That it'd be easier to obey Jesus and do the right thing than the other way around. And let us pray for grace to stay, to wait ourselves for the consolation of Israel, to be persevering in the place of prayer. I mentioned it earlier, but as we're responding together as a church family, I want us to do a hearing God exercise. I want us all to ask God for a life-defining promise for our generation that would root us and ground us in this lifestyle of purity, dedication, and persevering prayer. Let us ask him now. We're his children. We're the sheep of his pasture. We hear the shepherd's voice. That's promised to us. Let us ask him now by the Holy Spirit to speak something specific to your individual heart, your one heart, just like Simeon had one heart and he heard the promise. Let's ask him to speak something that we can put our name on, that we would see with our own eyeballs before we die. Does that make sense? And if you don't have the faith to ask for a word like that for your whole life that you might not see until you're 88, <laughs> if you don't have that faith this morning, that's okay. Shrink it down a little bit. Maybe you can ask him what he wants to do in this next year in 2023 that you could see with your own eyeballs. Say, son, daughter, I want to do this in 2023 and I want your eyeballs to see it before the clock hits midnight and it turns to 2024. 
Does that make sense? So we're either asking for a promise to root us and ground us in that lifestyle of Simeon for our whole life that we would see maybe when we're 88, or we'll be seeing this next year. Whatever you have the faith for, let's ask him right now. Ask him to speak something, show you something, show you a vision. I know he's shown Sherry a vision. Do you believe you're gonna see that with your eyeballs before you die? I do. She's told me about it numerous times. God has shown her that. God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't fasten your soul to a dead end dream. He fastens your soul to dreams that he wants to accomplish and let your eyeballs see them. Ask him now. Jesus, or I want him to come back. Remember, that's my life's mission. I hope he whispered like, hey, you're going to see me in the clouds. I would. If he did, come and tell me that. Be bold. <laughs> so now we're going to put some feet to our prayers if the Lord puts it on your heart. But I'm inviting you as the Lake Travis Prayer Room Director, I'm inviting you to put some feet to what God just spoke to you. Or even if you didn't hear anything, we can always put our name on the return of Jesus to wait for the consolation of Israel. But that looks like things in your schedule. It looks like actual practical outworkings, putting feet to your prayers. It looks like rearranging your time, re rearranging your priorities to see these things come to pass just like Simeon did. So the invitation is simple. The invitation is for gatekeepers in this next year, in 2023, starting January 1st, January 2nd, right? That first week. The invitation is to become a gatekeeper at the Lake Travis Prayer Room, which is simply a weekly commitment to give your heart to Jesus in the place of worship, prayer, reading the Bible, saying those promises back to him that he just whispered to you or promises over your life. It looks like as simple as an hour a week that you give to this, you give to Jesus in this room. It's completely dedicated, completely focused on the purposes of God. And it's a sacrifice. You gotta drive here, you gotta carve out time in your schedule, but you will be, I can promise you this, you will be a satisfied customer every time you show up. You will be a satisfied customer, I can tell you this. The hardest battle, just like going to the gym, is getting there. Once you're there in the gym, man, it's great. You never regret going to the gym. It's the same thing in the prayer room. 90% of the battle is putting it in your schedule and showing up. And when you do that, if it's in your schedule and your name's on a board, you're gonna be 90% more likely to show up and actually pray. So think of an hour in your week in this upcoming year or two hours or six hours 
that you could give your heart to the place of prayer. Give your heart to the vision of this house, which is to have a continual resting place for God. And the only way God has a resting place, the only way this is a prayer room is if people pray in it. The only way this is a house of prayer is if people come to this house and pray. God can't have a resting place without people in it. So that's the invitation. We have many in the room, I'm looking across the room, that have been gatekeepers. You've been faithful over the years. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. God has moved in the sound of your voice, and he wants to move in everyone's sound of the voice. In everyone's voice, he wants to move. So this will be at the back. Worship team's going to play. I'm going to invite up my dad right now for ministry time. But this will be at the back, by that back door back there. And the, the practical instructions are really simple. I have these nice yellow post-it notes. And so the invitation is for you to write your name on the post-it note. Write your email so I can contact you with training resources to set you up for success. I have 15 prayer resources to keep you on the right tracks of prayer. I have training resources that make it really simple for you to come in here and be set up for efficiency and success in the place of prayer. So write your name, email, and then what weekly time slot. If you don't have a time slot yet, that's okay. Just put your name anywhere on this board. And it doesn't have to be two hours. It can be even 30 minutes, but the, the call is for at least an hour a week. And put it on that day or that time. So your name, email, and then the day and time that you want to commit to in 2023 to, to flesh out and to actually walk out the prayers that we just prayed in our own heart to be like a Simeon. This was what Simeon would have done. He probably would have been doing 40 hours a week in here, for real. That's what it looks like from the scripture. So thank you guys. Let me pray for y'all. Then my dad's going to take over. God, I thank you for super abundant grace to say yes to this lifestyle of Simeon, to say yes to purity, to say yes to prevailing dedication. God, I pray you would blow Holy Spirit wind at the back of every single one of these precious people in this room and the ones listening online. Would you blow your Holy Spirit wind? Would you blow them to the place of prayer? And Lord, I pray that you would direct each one of our hearts, including mine. Lord, I need this. I need your grace. Direct our hearts into the patient endurance of Christ in the place of prayer. We celebrate in advance an increase in incense coming from this place, an increase of worship, an increase of prayer in this next year to see your purposes come to pass. And God, if, if someone didn't hear a promise over their life yet, God, would you speak that to them even now or even tonight or even this next week? Would you open up their ears and speak marvelous, wondrous things like you spoke to Simeon in Jesus' name? Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.